Welcome to Time to Talk. I'm your host, Sean Sennett. My very special guest this week is the actor Helen Thompson. Helen is on the big screen all over the world at the moment as she has a major role in the new Baz Luhrmann film, Elvis. Helen plays Elvis's mother, Gladys Presley. It's such a thrill to have Helen on the show as she shares her experiences about working with Baz Luhrmann, Austin Butler, and of course, Tom Hanks. In a way, she takes us behind the scenes and offers glimpses on how the film was made and how she approached playing such a pivotal character in the movie. I first met Helen when she was starting out as an actor in Brisbane. I remember the first major theatre piece I saw her in. It was uh, Queensland Theatre Company put on The Crucible. From there, she made the move to Sydney and beyond. And now she's in a film, as I said, that's playing all over the world. If you haven't seen Elvis yet, you have to put it on your to-do list. I was lucky enough to attend a premiere on the Gold Coast. All the main stars from the film were there. Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, Baz Luhrmann himself. And it really felt like a special moment not just for the Gold Coast, but for the Australian film industry. That's why I'm so pleased that Helen is with us today to talk about the film. So here she is, Helen Thompson. This is great that we can get to chat because I didn't get back to you at the Gold Coast premiere, did I? I know, I know. You obviously, you know, so some people wanted to talk to you. So I'm just doing this for selfish reasons so we can catch up and have a chat after all this time. It's so good yeah, to fantastic. see you. It's so good to see you too, Sean. Helen, I'm just thinking, you know, obviously I haven't seen you for a very long time, but we sort of go way back. I remember the beginning of your career, and I think the first thing I saw you in was maybe The Crucible with Queensland Theatre Company. Oh, isn't that funny? Yeah, because that that was sort of, in a way, my my first sort of break, really, and and it's actually a production that really stays with me because it was a really successful production and it was done really well. And, you know, I was playing a little Salem witch and um, yeah. it was just, it was just fantastic. I remember at the time when you got that role, it was like, wow, this is amazing. It was such a big deal in your career. Yeah, it was. Cause I wasn't, I was fairly recently graduated from, from, um, from drama school in Queensland. And um, I ended up getting an invitation to kind of go move down South um, yeah. And I ended up working because uh, the du- director was um, uh, the director, the artistic director of the Melbourne Theatre Company. And for a Queenslander to be invited down south is always yeah. a big deal. And uh, and I went, oh my gosh, there it is. There's the invitation. So yeah, it was it was a real moment. And I, it's funny because I still remember it really fondly and really clearly. Just my memory was Helen. Uh, did you did you study acting in in Darling Downs somewhere up there? Then you came to Brisbane, then made the shift, as you say, down yeah. south. Yeah, I um, well, I was a country Queensland girl um, from Billawila, from a farm near Billawila, and uh, I auditioned um, for yeah, the, the drama course at the, which was the Darling Downs Institute of Advanced Education, which is now the University of Southern Queensland, uh, and it was a three-year comprehensive course. You had to audition to get into it. Um, some people used to say to me, why, why didn't you kind of go to NIDA? Why didn't you try out for NIDA? Yeah. But I think I was a bit of a country girl and um, Sydney seemed uh, sort of overwhelming to me at the time when I was about yeah. 18. Um, and so it really suited me. And I, I do remember kind of heading off to class, um, waking up so excited and thinking, I'm my tribe. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I'm still doing it. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, and also, too, to give it a context and a time, um, people just didn't jump on planes to Sydney that easily back then, did they? Go to NIDA and so forth. It was quite a, a big trip from Brisbane to Sydney, even though a lot of people had to leave Brisbane to make it in the yeah. arts back then. 
Yeah, it was. It wasn't just sort of a geographic kind of barrier. It was, it was a real mental barrier. Yeah. I, I don't know um, whether kind of, interestingly, I mean, Australian actors, you either end up, uh, less so these days because you can fly everywhere, but you usually yeah. end up in Sydney or Melbourne. Yeah. So, you know, you, I've got a lot of friends from Perth, from Tasmania, from Queensland, all that kind of stuff, because we all end up having to come to the, to the melting pot. Interestingly, kind of when actors can become quite successful, Australian actors, they can live on, in Byron Bay or they can live <laughs> wherever they want, you know, because they can just jump on a plane at Coolangatta and, and be in Sydney, you know, within the hour. So um, it's, it's le- less of a thing now. And, of course, Queensland is such a hub filmmaking now yes. um i mean it has been for a while but it really seems like it's it's picked up steam i remember actually talking to one of the producers on elvis um patrick um sorry patrick my your surname has escaped me anyway um he was saying that one of the big studios there um at village roadshow on the gold coast uh, studio six i think it is is i don't i can't describe the size but it's enormous okay it's yeah. it's huge and he was saying it's booked out all the time because there's only like three or two or something ridiculous in the Southern Hemisphere. Like, so they're going to build more of them. Like the size where you can have, you know, you can do Marvel stuff and you can, like say wow. in Elvis, um, we did um, uh, one of the big concerts in the 50s there and um, we had, you know, when, when Gladys is being dragged away and Elvis is being dragged away and mobbed by fans and stuff, we got into cars and had room to drive away, you know, so it's that sort of size. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we we should fast forward right to 2022 and, you know, we've gone from uh, The Crucible, you're back in Queensland making Elvis, which is literally bigger than Ben-Hur. I I saw it for the first time at the Gold Coast and I think that was the Mm. first time you saw the film as well. It was, yeah. Yeah. So I guess... The, the connection with you and Baz Luhrmann, did Baz see you or an assistant of Baz saw you in a play years ago and suggested he should work with you at some point? Yeah, um, Angus, um, Baz's assistant, um, saw me in a production at the Sydney Theatre Company called, uh, it's a, a George Bernard Shaw play called Mrs Warren's Profession. And uh, and uh, it, it was, it's, it's a real, uh, uh, Kate Blanchett and Andrew Upton, who were running the Sydney Theatre Company at the time, who were sort of fans of mine, gave me this lead role. And I remember Kate handing me this envelope. I'm thinking, oh, what's in this? And it was, it was a script. And anyway, it was a fantastic production. Angus must have seen it and apparently raved to Baz for years wow. about this actress in this play. You must use her, Helen Thompson, blah, blah, blah. So when, when I finally met Baz and he said, you know, Angus has been just talking to me. He said, you've got to use this actress. And uh, he, said, I, he said, I'm so sorry. I apologise for not um, having seen you in the theatre. Uh, I, I only hear fantastic things, but, you know, you're here now kind of thing. Um, I had auditioned for, for Gladys initially, I think when they did the big kind of sweep. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of well known because it was advertised on the internet and all that kind of stuff that Maggie Gyllenhaal got the part. And that was fine. I kind of thought, well, you know, even just to have auditioned for him was yeah. pretty exciting. You know? Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, didn't get it. That's fine. I get on with my life. And then, of course, COVID happens. Tom Hanks gets COVID. Everything shuts down. The world shuts down. Borders shut down. Um, but I, I've heard Baz say that it was, it was Tom Hanks that said to Baz, if you don't 
get this going. It's such a, ju- a juggernaut. Yeah. It's just gonna it's gonna collapse under its own weight. You know, you you you, you we've got to we've got to go. We've got to do it. Yeah. So they did, but in the meantime, I think because of COVID and borders closing, all that kind of stuff, and different projects, Maggie couldn't do it. Um, so he he was minus a Gladys. So I get a call out of the blue that he wants to see me. Amazing. <laughs> and I'm going what? Yes. But this time round, it was what it's not just sort of putting a scene down on tape. It's it's a, what they call an actual screen test where. They bring people in, they bring the hair people, the wig, you know, the wigs, the dresses. Um, CM brought, you know, these particular Italian leather shoes in my size. This is just for an audition. Wow. And I'm going, okay, this is getting serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're quarantined in Queensland. Quarantined, well, you know, where I'm sort of over the border in New South Wales and Sydney. So I had to do the audition with Austin Butler on a laptop, similar to what we're doing now. Wow. to each other and having to act these scenes with him and he he was so generous and gave me so much eye contact and all and he was just most beautiful i remember at the end of the audition yeah, after baz is going oh my god turn to the light helen oh, she's got the exact eyes look at her eyes look at her eyes oh my god <laughs> okay oh good um but at the end of it all they made me do the scenes this way that way I had to uh, improvise. It gave me a couple of scenarios where I had to improvise, you know, in the accent and the whole thing. And at the end of it, because Austin was so generous with the way he worked with me, I, I said, oh, Austin, thank you so much for being so generous in the audition. And he said, that, that was my pleasure, Helen. <laughs> I went, oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh Elvis just spoke to me. Because <laughs> he just sounds so, as you know. He does. He sounds so much like him. But yeah, you kind of kind of told me to do my love there. And <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh, you know, I'm his mother, I'm his mother. <laughs> anyway, a long story short, I got the part, so that was lovely. So COVID had a silver lining. Um, COVID had a very nice silver lining for me, yes. It's funny because Baz has said that you had a presliness in your audition. I wonder if you meant the eyes or if it was something else you felt about your energy, but that's a that's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, he wrote that in a little uh, email to me when he when the, when it had been offered to me, and he said we we were all so happy with your audition and the sheer presliness of it, and we hope you will you know come and work with us. I think it's so polite thinking, yeah, as, as if I turn that this job down, um, but it did intrigue me, and I thought. What does that mean, Presliness? Because at the end of the day, uh, very few people even living now, I mean, uh, well, no, that's not true. There are people who remember Gladys. They're getting elderly now. Um, but, you know, there's not a lot of video footage of, of Gladys. There's a lot of photographs because, of course, Elvis's career kind of took off, but then Gladys was dead by 1958. So, um think she really sought out the cameras i think she was sort of quite shy in that way and she was a little bit self-conscious about being a little overweight and yes. uh you know she elvis was so beautiful and i think she felt she wasn't beautiful and um there's all all of that but i did i did there's a little bit of audio of her um being asked about what songs she likes of his they're at some sort of there's a parade and some interviewer is is talking to to Gladys and Vernon and 
asking, you know, what, what, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Presley, you know, um, what, what songs do you, do you like of, of Elvis? And, and Bernard could go, well, well, uh, I like them all. And, um, and, and Gladys is more specific. And uh, she said, well, uh, I like, uh, 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 baby, let's play house and don't be cruel. And so, <laughs> but she has that, uh, 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 you know, and Elvis used to do that a lot. Uh, uh, that it didn't, you know, and, and, um, but she's quite clear about what she liked and, and, and she was very specific. And, but she, it gave me a little taste of hers. And then I, you know, look, so the, so the end of the day, what does the Presleyness mean? I had to a bit of a think about how I would play her. I could only do, in a way, the Helen Thompson version of yeah. Gladys with the research that I'd done. Yes. And it was either right or it was wrong. You know what yes. I mean? I can't be all things to all people. So I've just got to do the version that I yes. think. And one of the things that uh, Cousin Billy, who does some um, podcasts or uh, little videos, I looked, someone got me onto him, uh, who, who spent a lot of time with Gladys at, at Graceland and that kind of stuff, said that she was a very kind woman she was gregarious. She was, you know, a great hostess. You know, you couldn't come into the house without her giving you a bottle of Coke and a sandwich and um, all that kind of stuff. But she had a real temper oh. and a real kind of feistiness to her. And they said Elvis did it as well. His temper was very much like his mother's. Yes. And, um, and so I kind of incorporated that. That kind. I just thought I'd give her a bit of attack, give her a bit of like she's not mousy, she's not. So I gave her a bit of, atta uh, of attack and um, when I could, in the moments that I could, and interestingly, when I did the audition, I was told from my agent, it's not just Baz's choice. You've got to get approval from Warner Brothers US and the Presley family. And I went, okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I must have done something right, Sean. Well, it's interesting. Uh, just, just on the physicality, I mean, the eyes certainly have it. I mean, Gladys had those very, you know, dark eyes and the way you transformed into her and also understand too that Gladys's clothes are still hanging in Graceland and they were able to replicate those clothes for you as well so you could become that, that, that person. Yeah, CM, I remember her telling me that, uh, and, and Baz said too, they had great, given great access to Graceland, um, but she... Gladys's room is still there, that purple room. Uh, and when you think about it, they, they redid, uh, Elvis did redid the interiors a couple of times. So in the movie, we have the 50s interior of Graceland and we end up, you know, eventually with the one that you can see now in this day, yeah. which is the 70s one. But if you think about it, his mother's room was always his mother's room. It's like, don't touch mama's room yeah. kind yeah. of thing. So her clothes are apparently still hanging up there and there's a trunk of clothes as well. And CM said to me that when she was doing the research on the fabrics and the, and the dresses and that kind of stuff, and I do have a number of, uh, not all of them, but a number of my dresses are exact replicas of Gladys's. She lifted up this trunk of clothes of Gladys's and she said she just got this wave of grief, of sadness. Wow. And it was quite, quite a moment for her. And I thought, oh, and I thought, oh poor Gladys. Because yeah. in a way, I mean, I know she had a bad liver and she was probably drinking too much towards the end, but they do often sort of say, and I think there is something in it, that she sort of died of a broken heart. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I see footage of Gladys in those documentaries about Elvis that came out after he passed away, she looks like a sad person. You can see that sadness yeah. in her. 
Yeah, you know, look, maybe in this day and age she would, would be, maybe she would have, I don't know, and I'm just sort of guessing, but, you know, maybe she would have been diagnosed with a bit of depression or something yeah. like that. I think that whole thing of, you know, when they were, this is what I gleaned, one of the things, I read one book that just um, talked about their, specifically it's, it's a book about Gladys and, and Elvis and uh, right from the, the get-go, uh, you know, their relationship, but I was just shocked at how many times they moved house in his childhood and it was all due to lack of money. Yes. You know, sometimes they just scraped in to get into the housing commission flat and then all of a sudden Vernon gets a job and they're earning just that little bit too much so they're kicked out of there and then they've got to go and stay with relatives and then, you know, they just sort of, so they always, so they have this great reliance on family and they kept uh uh, Vernon's mother with them right to the end. I think she was still living in, someone said she was still living in Graceland when they opened it up for the public. I, I she think still she was, was in I think, I think she outlived Vernon. Yeah, she uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was yeah. there for a long time. And yeah, now, I remember yeah. reading once that apparently Elvis never had three meals a day until he became famous. Ah, how interesting. And then this is, and here's another interesting thing even though money was like super tight at different times. Um, apparently Gladys always managed to find enough money to dye her hair black. Yeah. I don't know what it is with the black hair because I think her hair was naturally a bit lighter. Uh, Elvis was almost quite blonde when he was younger, like yes. a very, you know, he ended up dyeing his hair black and then he marries Priscilla. He gets her to dye her hair black. Yeah. I love the black hair. It must have been a real thing. I loved it. I, I don't I don't quite know why, but it was it was their thing. So Gladys always managed to scrape a few pennies together to um to uh, buy the hair dye. But yeah, they were they were poor, and so I think when Gladys uh, and I think Vernon and Gladys helped choose uh, Graceland, and and she moved in. I mean, I, I just someone I read somewhere that she kept all the little pieces of of uh furniture you know from the housing commission days yeah. could she couldn't get rid of it i think it's a very much that generation that went through the depression it's yeah. like things were things were precious apparently it's up in the attic couldn't get rid of it out. you know yeah. no 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 don't you don't throw it out like you never know so it's always that kind of the fact that elvis kept his his family and his friends so close like you often i don't know you sort of think of people when they get rich and famous is that they discard people yeah. that you know and they they carve up this new life, but not Elvis. He people who knew him and grew up with him became even more precious. Um, and they all you know moved in. You know, it's yeah, just hilarious. It, it, it's quite, it's a phenomenal trajectory when you see the film. This you know, uh, there's been no other rags to riches story like it in the last hundred years. It's just just incredible where he becomes this iconic figure from growing yeah. up dirt poor, but kind of the crux of the early part of the film is definitely that relationship with you and Elvis. Um, mm. Did you and Austin Butler must have worked pretty intensely in pre-production on those scenes? There wasn't a massive amount of rehearsal. Um, as you know, we all know because we've listened to Austin speak a bit, just the, ho the homework that he, that he did, yeah. I mean, you know, was, was quite extraordinary. And I did the homework that I needed to do on my scenes. But at times, like I know there was one scene, you know, there's that scene when they're still in Lauderdale Courts, which is the, the housing commission apartment yes. they lived in, and she gets upset with him 
in the kitchen and she storms off to the bedroom and then he comes in and and she and Gladys sort of breaks down. She's, you know, I feel that this is it's coming between us. This she yeah. doesn't know how to explain it, but she's been to one of those concerts and she's seen these girls just going, <laughs> you know, she just doesn't know how to, you know, comprehend um, what's going on. And and in 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 that scene, because it was a very intimate scene, a very quiet scene between Elvis and his mother. And, and, you know, Baz made the suggestion. He said, we can go off to another room. We can work it. We can rehearse it. We, can, we discussed it a lot, right? And Austin, you know, I didn't want to, if Austin wanted to do that, I was happy to do that. He would have been thinking, Helen wants to do that. I'm happy to do that. But we both, Austin and I kind of looked at each other. And we went, no, we don't need to do that. We, we know what we're saying. We know why we're yeah. saying it. Let's just do it. Because in a way, we kind of felt if we work it and work it, we're going to kill it. I was going to ask you about that. If the magic's in the bottle, if you release yeah. it, too, it's it's gone, right? I think so. And I think we instinctively felt that because it was a very quiet, intimate moment. There's no bells and whistles in that scene. It's just a mother and her son and and the love that they have for each other, her fear that she's going to lose him, and she does. She yes. does lose him, you know. Yes. Uh, but she that the premonition of that. But as you say, that rags to riches thing, I mean, it is, it's such a speed at which his career took off. It is like there's, there's nothing to compare it to. So how on earth could Gladys have, you know, known how to cope with that? In, I mean, Elvis coped amazingly well, to be honest. Um, I mean, he really wanted it, but but his life changed. You know, even even at back at Lauderdale Courts at the Housing Commission flats, they had girls that would just stand outside the windows and stare up <laughs> for hours. Yeah, like so, she's doing the dishes. She's looking out the window, going, "Oh my god, they're still there." You'd feel like under siege. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, how do you prepare yourself for that? No, it, it, nothing could do that, and uh, no. So, so obviously you're an incredibly acclaimed actress and you're then working with Tom Hanks, who's got his fair share of acclaim too. So it's two professionals meeting. What's it like working with Hanks, uh, somebody of that stature? You're obviously there to do a job and you remove the yeah. sweat from it. Well, so, it, it, you know, I, I've said before that that um, day, according to the schedule, I was meant to be background with Vernon wandering through the fair. And eventually they thought, no, we don't, we don't need Gladys and Vernon in that. Uh, there was enough going on in that scene. There weren't going to be folks where I thought, oh, that was a nice way to just ease into it. And they went, no, no, first day is interior Graceland with Tom Hanks, Austin Butler, you know, <laughs> all dialogues. I'm going, okay. Um, so, you know, and then you've got Baz and you've got five cameras and you and you just even on a kind of a basic level, you're going, oh, my God, look at the set. Just look yeah. at the set. Yes. And you're going, this is, this is, because CM doesn't leave anything to chance. This is like, this is interior Graceland to a T in 1950, blah, blah, blah. So you've got all that going on. And then you're thinking, I'm sitting next to Tom Hanks chatting away. And you're going, but so what you do is you're thinking, look, you just got to go, forget that. Forget all that. I'm here to do a job. And you're actually kind of aware that if you don't do the job, perhaps you could be sacked. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> might get a little tap on the shoulder. You can go back to your trailer. 
that's a zero out of 10. Um, so like you're aware I've got to, often talks about the pressure that was on him. I mean, that was like a hundredfold. But, but everyone was aware, every single department, everyone was aware. I, I was so, it was so clear everyone was at the top of their game. Every single department was at the top of their game. And you're going, I'm not going to let the team down. Yeah. No, everyone's thinking, I'm not going to let the team down. Yeah. So you're going, but then I think what Tom is so good at, and it's exactly like he is in interviews, he's very affable, he's very relaxed, he's very chatty. And, and so all of a sudden you're talking to him like you'd talk to any other actor between takes. Yeah. And I thought, I don't think that's an accident. I think he knows when people are around him, they're going, oh, my God, Tom Hanks. Oh, my God, Tom Hanks. And he's so good at making people just relax. And then all of a sudden we were just a bunch of actors in a room with a job to do. That's so we, Yeah. So then we just got onto it. So when we started doing that scene, um, and, of course, I watched Tom like a hawk because I'm thinking he'd be chatting away and everything, and then we'd go to do a take. And he could be, ch- you know, ch- chatty and relaxed and everything. He'd listen to what he had to do from bars or what have you. And then the camera rolls, bang. He's, like, super focused. Like, and the choices he makes, you go, oh, that's so clever. Oh, that's so clever. Like, just subtle things. And you're going, that is someone who understands at any given moment what a camera is doing, how it's viewing his face, what yeah. his face should be doing, when he should give more when he should give less he just instinctively understands it and that's just years and years and movie after movie after movie so it's really fascinating watching him but when I got a cup the takes under my belt and I was feeling a bit bit better about it it was the the scene with um about the merchandise um we're gonna go for another take or I go for another take and everything and, and he went past me and he grabbed my arm and he looked in my eyes. He just gave, me a, gave my arm a squeeze and a little smile and kept going, went, yeah, <laughs> I must have done something. Like, you, you. <laughs> so I was fine now, from then on in. Now, now, for those of us that don't make movies for a living, I'm worried, curious about the sequence of the film. Were your scenes shot early in production or middle of production or towards the end? chunk of it partly we all we were all kind of there because of covid we couldn't kind of nip away ah, and nip back you know what i mean so we, we were just kind of there I think the 68 special and that kind of stuff was done before i got there yeah right then they sort of went to the and then they went to the las vegas stuff then they kind of went into the 50s but there was a little bit some days you'd do I would have done, of course, all my stuff was the 1950s because Gladys passed away by 1958. Yeah. But, you know, you could look at the schedule and the next day they were shooting something from the 70s. So it did flip around a bit. It must have been tricky for, for uh, Austin at times. Oh, yeah. I was always, yeah, oh, yeah, I was always in the same era, so that was fine. But, of course, then I'd see that um, that uh, Alton playing uh, Little Richard was... Um, mm sing Tutti Fruity the next day. So I go, can I turn up to the set just to watch, please? That was one of the great um, scenes in the film. Oh, and, and he was just amazing all day because he shot that, you know, all day. Um, extraordinary, just extraordinary. And and Yola, and I, I went in to see, uh, you know, Big Billy Crudup. And I, I, I wanted to see all of them sing because they all sort of came at once. It was like this real buzz on the lot. It's like, you know, the singers are here. Wow. Um, I would have loved to have seen that big choir as well, um, uh, you know, the Pentecostal choir mm. in in the tent. That they apparently they were extraordinary. Um, 
but it was just a thrill. Uh, I, I thought, I'm just going to come and watch this stuff. Um, everyone's sort of, I know it's so great that Austin is getting the, the love and the um, uh, accolades that he deserves. But even at the time, we're going, um, he, uh, he's special. Uh, there's just there's just something about him, not just the singing, the whole thing. And you know how when you, you watch interviews with him, he's always so polite. Yeah. He listens. He gives a really good answer. And he's just so generous with his time. Austin's exactly the same. He just is a really generous kind. Like he's quite like Elvis in that way. I mean, of yeah. course, they're you know, very different in other ways, but that side of and I and I think that's one of the secrets as to why the singing and the performing is he brings maybe people when they played Elvis before trying to be cool or something like that. Austin brings heart to it. That beautiful, warm generosity that Elvis had brings that. And so we just adore him. But that's actually kind of who Austin is. Austin's a very kind, yeah. sweet guy. You it's know. interesting. It, 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 a lot of people go for the bombast, but he really has vulnerability in his performance, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's why we, and also Baz explores that in the film. You know, he explores it with, with, with his mother. He explores it with Priscilla. He explores it at times with, with um, the colonel, uh, with his father. You know, at times when you, know, you just see the pressure yeah. that Elvis was under and how he had to kind of problem solve or, or deal with other people's hurt and emotions on top of everything he had to do, you know. Um, and so I think you're right. I think El uh, Austin brought a vulnerability um, as well as the strength. So, Helen. Made it more rounded. Yes, yes. So, Helen, this obviously, you've got a very, very impressive career in theatre and TV, and you've made movies before, but this is kind of like a global thing. I mean, this is all over the Western world, it's all over the planet. What does this mean for you now? Have you got something else lined up that you can talk about? What does it mean for me, Sean? This is interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. it hasn't even actually, it's actually hasn't been released in the US yet. Like, I think in a few hours it is because it's the 24th or something. I am intrigued, Sean. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I would like to think just with a bit of a profile raise that it will just make uh, access to certain roles easier. That was, yeah. would be my dream. Yeah. Um, I will go over to the US and do some meetings uh, in September. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know, Sean, because I've never been in this situation. So I'll, I'll uh, get back to you on that one. Oh, look, I hope it's like a Jackie Weaver thing where she made, you know, that film and suddenly she's in all these A-list American movies. It'd be great. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> that's right. a long way from, uh, from Bill O'Wheel. Yeah. It surely is. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Helen, it was so great to have you on the podcast today. It's my pleasure, Sean. Thanks so much. Wonderful. <laughs>